Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus himself said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. It is clear from the first two chapters of the Bible that the center and focus of God's creative work was man. Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. In Zechariah, God's focus is even more graphic. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The burden of the word of Jehovah concerning Israel. Thus saith Jehovah, who stretcheth forth the heavens, and layeth the foundation of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. God's goal was with man. His eternal purpose was with man. But Old Testament declarations like these refer to man's status before he fell. So the question for us today is, Did the focus, the center, and the plan of God change with the fall of man, or is God's original purpose still intact? The New Testament answers this question with crystal clarity. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself unto the economy of the fullness of the times to head up all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth in him. Ed Marks has joined us, our third program from the Life Study of Chronicles. Really happy to have you for this program because we're going to touch something today uh, very significant, aren't we, Ed? Yes, Chris, and, and I believe your opening and introduction are very critical. When God created man, he had an original intention for man. Right. And he had a heart's desire for man. Mm-hmm. And so he made man in his image after his likeness. And, Chris, we've used this illustration before. It's an excellent illustration. Just as a glove is created in the image of a hand in order to contain a hand, man was created in the image and likeness of God to contain God. So when you come to Genesis 2, you see that after God created man, he put him before the tree of life. And the tree of life signifies God in Christ as the Spirit. We know that when Christ became a man, he said, I am the life, and I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So his intention, even before man sinned, he created man in his image as a vessel to contain him, to be filled with him, and to express him. And he presented himself to man as the tree of life. But man fell. And uh, Chris, even you quoted Zechariah 12 which shows that God created the heavens, he created the earth, he created the spirit of man. This shows that the heavens are for the earth, 
The earth is for man, and man has a spirit which is for God. You see, our spirit is the receptacle where we receive God as life. This was God's original intention, even in the creation of the universe. Well, when we come to the New Testament, we have this term economy Mm -hmm. or God's economy. God's economy is his household plan to dispense himself into man as a vessel so that man is filled with his riches and so that man expresses him in his image for his glory in this universe. When that happens, all things are headed up in Christ. Mm. Now, we've, we've, we've said a lot in just a brief time, but it is absolutely marvelous, Chris, because we are talking about God's good pleasure and God's heart's desire. We want to explain the things today that uh, uh, may sound strange or new to some of our listeners, uh, some phrases like God-man, and uh, a quotation, actually, that we'll talk about in a few minutes from one of the early church fathers referring to God's eternal purpose, God became man in order that man might become God, which is nothing more than the promise and hope of the gospel. Of course, when we say that, Ed, we do not mean God in every sense, do we? No, Chris, and this isn't something that that we said originally. This was said in the fourth century by a number of church fathers, such as Athanasius, Gregory, Irenaeus, Thomas Aquinas. And what the church fathers meant, and what we mean, is that God became man in order to make us his sons, He actually comes into us and dwells in us, and he makes us exactly the same as he is in life and in nature, but not in his Godhead. We don't have his incommunicable qualities, such as his fatherhood, his Godhead, and above all, we never become an object of worship. But we have God's life. We have God's nature. We have God's element. We have God's image. In this sense, we become exactly the same as he is but never in his Godhead and never as an object of worship. In John 12, the Lord said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit, and it brings forth innumerable grains that are a reproduction of the one that fell into the ground and died. Well, here's the program, and here's Witness Lee with our first portion. The eternal God... In his eternity, had a dream according to his hobby. And she made a plan, which is called in the New Testament the economy. So he made the universe, then in the universe, he made his hobby as the center. And this hobby is nothing less than one who is the same as he is. And out of this one came the mass production, filling up the whole earth. In the fall, Satan came in to cause trouble. The whole world became a confusion. Due to the fall, man separated himself from God to become mankind. Before the fall of man, there was no mankind, just the God kind. Okay, God, out of the confused mankind, choose 
a man by the name Abraham. Then Abraham had a descendant. That became the nation of Israel. The elect of Israel was just a type, typifying something in the future that will come. Okay, then from Abraham, 2,000 years later, the very choosing God came to become a man. And this God-man, through his death and resurrection, he had made a mass reproduction. He was the one green, now he became the many greens. And this portion is a kind of a succinct summary of all of the key points from uh, the Old Testament relating to this matter of God's economy, isn't it? It is, Chris. And, and I would just like to explain some things to our listeners. You know, Chris, this is a marvelous revelation. When God created all the living things, if you look in Genesis 1, it says he created them after their kind. Right. It, this was repeated, after, after their kind, after their kind. The word kind is mentioned in Genesis 1. This means species or genus, G-E-N-U-S. Right. It's according to their own species. But when God created man, he said, he didn't say, let us make man after their kind. He said, let us make man after our likeness. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, which shows that there was no mankind. God, in God's original creation, man was God-kind. He was in God's image. He was after God's likeness. Right. And so that means that God's desire for man was for man to express him, to become like him. And you know, eventually, 1 John 3, 2, it says we will be like him when he returns. That's right. That is the fulfillment of Genesis 1.26. Well, what happened? Man fell. But we know God became a man, and this man's name was Jesus. You know, many uh, scholars, theologians, Bible teachers have used the term God-man to describe Christ because he was the complete God and the perfect man. And in John 12, 24, he likened himself to a grain of wheat. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So when he died as that grain of wheat, he released the divine life within him. And in his resurrection, he produced many grains. And those many grains are all of us as the many sons of God. All these many grains are exactly like the one grain. So all these many grains are the reproduction of that one grain. And in resurrection, Another kind was produced. First, there was God kind. Then in man's fall, there was mankind. Then in, in Christ's resurrection, there was another kind, God-mankind. Wow. And, and Chris, when we say that, what we mean is that when we are regenerated, we're born again, God actually comes into us. So Ephesians 4, 6 tells us that the Father is in us. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says that Christ is in us, Galatians 2.20 also. Romans 8.9 says the Spirit of God dwells in us. 
So this shows the triune God lives in us. So in this sense, Christ is the unique God-man, and all the sons of God are the many God-men. And, and this, is, this is God's original purpose. When we allow God to dispense himself into us, to renew us, to transform us, corporately, we become exactly the same as he is. We do not mean that we become him in his Godhead as an object of worship. We do not mean we become the deity. Right. But we are deified in the sense that he dispenses himself into us. We have his life. We have his nature. And we are his sons. This shows us this is God's good pleasure. Brother Lee said God's hobby. This means God's good pleasure. This is what God is after. He wants to dispense himself into us to regenerate us in our spirit, transform us in our soul, and glorify us in our body so that we are exactly the same as he is. When we see him as he is, we will be like him. Mm. That is the fulfillment of his desire in Genesis 1.26. Wonderful connection there between uh, 1 John 3.2 and Genesis 1.26, the fulfillment. Ed, I want to quote a verse you were talking about this matter of uh, the many sons. Romans 8.29 says, Because those whom he foreknew he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be not the only begotten, but now in resurrection, the firstborn among many brothers. Same uh, same thought here, isn't it? Exactly, Chris. And, and again, the picture of the grain of wheat is marvelous. Mm-hmm. When that grain releases its life through its death, it resurrects. And, and the resurrection of the life within the grain produces many grains. So in resurrection, he became the firstborn son of God, and we became his many brothers. Those are the many grains. Wow. And these are men who have God living in them. This is a great thing. This is God's original intention. So we must see this, Chris. We must see this clearly, that this is God's heart's desire, and we must see this without any misunderstanding. Very good, Ed. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In the first few centuries, from the second to the fifth, the church fathers did find out three high mysteries in the Bible. Number one, the triune God, the divine trinity, is the highest mystery. Then the person of Christ, the second mystery. Then the deification, the third mystery. But after the fifth century, this last mystery gradually, gradually disappeared. But I feel strongly the Lord is going to recover this truth. God becoming a man to make man God. The same as he is in nature, in life, but not in his Godhood. And I do believe even today when you would think about yourself as a God-man, right with the thinking, revolutionizes you. Amen. Just to sit down and think a little about, am I a mankind? Now I got to know, mankind is a negative term, referring to fallen man. I'm not mankind. What kind of am I? I'm a God-mankind. Amen. 
right away changes you. Ed, a moment ago you had man before the tree of life, um, before the fall, showing uh, God's original intention. Then, of course, you know, the enemy came in, the corruption took place, man is injected with the poison of sin and the sin nature. Uh, but God's intent never changed, did it? In other words, the redemptive work of Christ, which we appreciate so much and we praise and worship him for to such a high degree, was not the end of God's plan, was it? Exactly, Chris. And this is very wonderful, Chris. You know, we we just appreciate Christ's redemption so much. We fell. We're sinners. We needed him to die for our sins. We needed the forgiveness of sins, the washing away of our sins. We needed to be justified by God, reconciled to God. But that redemption brings us back to God's original intention. God's desire is to speak dispense himself into man as life and everything so that man would be filled with him and all his riches and man would express him in his glory so when we receive christ we receive him as our redeemer we're cleansed in the blood and then he comes into us he regenerates our spirit we're born again we're born of god that is the beginning of our deification and again chris when we say deification we're, you know, we're, we're saying something that Athanasius said in the fourth century. Athanasius was a great defender of the faith. Um, in fact, he was defending uh, the deity of Christ. Right. Athanasius is the one who said this. He said, God became man so that man might become God. And, of course, Athanasius meant in life and nature, right. but not in the Godhead. And, Chris, to me, you know, one of the best illustrations of this is you can use the example of teification. For instance, Chris, if I have a, a glass of hot water here and I put a tea bag in it, the water becomes tea. It's teaified, right? Mm-hmm. It gets the essence of the tea, the element of the tea, the nature of the tea, and the water becomes tea. But it doesn't become the tea bag. Very good. You see, so, <laughs> yeah, that's good. so we become God dispenses himself into us, if you will, as the divine tea. And we're teified, we're deified. But we don't become God in his Godhead, just like we don't become tea in the tea bag, so to speak. So our deification starts with our regeneration in our spirit. Then we're sanctified with God's holy nature. Then we're renewed and we actually have the mind of Christ. You see, this is to participate in his mind. Then we're transformed into his image. We're conformed to his image. We're shaped into his image. And then eventually he dispenses himself out from our spirit into our mind. Eventually our mortal bodies are swallowed up by life and we're glorified. And we become exactly the same as he is in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. A very important topic and a very important program today. Uh, Yet again, I'm really happy you're here. Why don't we join Witness Lee for this last portion? When you would think about yourself as a God-man, you would say, Lord, you are the first God-man. Where are the many God-men following you? You live a life, a human life, but not by your human life, but by God's divine life. To express Him, Lord, you are my life today, and you are my person. What shall I do? I have to die. 
I have to be conformed to your diet. I have to be crucified to die every day, to live a godman's life, a human life, but not by human life, but by the divine life. And this makes me a God-man, not just a Christian, not just a believer in Christ, but a God-man. I tell you that this is the highest point of God's gospel. Why? Because the gospel says, you all became fallen, yet Christ died for you. If you would believe in him, receiving him, you will have the eternal life to be the sons of God. Amen. So, at the end of time, God, the Lord, has to pick up these truths to impress someone. I had to admit, since January this year, the Lord came to me with these truths. I got deeply impressed. Just to be preaching, teaching, talking about one truth, that God becoming a man, to make man the same as he is in nature, in life, but not in his Godhead. Ed, when we came to this point in the recent program, Matt Miller and I were together, um, Matt picked up a verse I'd maybe like to come back to, 2 Corinthians 3.18, a verse we've spoken of a lot on this program, but I can't think of a better context in which to consider it. Can you? Yeah, and Chris, 2 Corinthians 3.18 brings us back to God's original intention because it says, as we behold the Lord with an unveiled face, we reflect him. We reflect him in his glory. Right. And then we're transformed into the same image. Again, you have this word image where we express him and we become exactly the same as he is in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. Now, Chris, the context of 2 Corinthians 3.18 is that when we turn our hearts to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then we're beholding him and he infuses us with all that he is. And then we reflect him like a mirror. We reflect him to others. Chris, I'd just like to end in an experiential way and encourage our listeners, encourage one another. Every day, spend some personal time with the Lord. You know, in the Word, in prayer. Best time is in the morning. You know, give some time to the Lord where you can pray, where you can pray over the Word, where you can open your being to Him, consecrate yourself to Him, and just gaze on Him. Turn your heart to Him. Then He infuses you with what He is. And then you express him in his glory, and then you magnify him, like Paul says in Philippians 1, and you live him. Paul said his desire was to magnify Christ, and he said, for me to live is Christ, and Christ is the very God. So this is, this is what we're talking about on this program, that God is our life. That's Colossians 3, 4. Christ is our life, and Christ is God. Right, right. right. God lives within us. That's Galatians 2.20. Right. Christ lives in us. And then Philippians 1.21, for us to live is God, for us to live is Christ. This is what we're talking about when we say we're God-men. This means God is our life. God lives within us. We live God. And we can do this every day by spending time with him, to be infused with him. 
and to express him, to reflect him. And I would even say this, Chris, to glow, G-L-O-W, to glow with God. And then everyone sees God and God has ministered into them. In a couple of uh, days, we're going to come back to this same line and even pick up some of these quotes that you referred to earlier. I wonder if you would be able to come back and join us for that program as well. Chris, it would be a great privilege. And again, I would encourage our listeners to get the printed message. You'll see a lot more if you have the printed word in front of you. If you'd like to do that, to take uh, Brother Ed's suggestion here, we'll give you the toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Call us for that and join us uh, for all of these programs in the Life Study of First and Second Chronicles. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.